0: Watch out for those weirdos.
1: <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister.
0: Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Windsor Film Club. What is the Windsor Film Club, you ask? We're a weekly podcast dedicated to deep diving, underseen, underappreciated, or misunderstood cult films. If it's weird or underappreciated in any way, it has a place in the club. I am your host, Reina Cervantes, and joining me are...
2: Hello, I am Steph Coza. I am super excited to be starting this podcast. Um, who am I? I have a YouTube channel called Steph Coza vs. the Movies, where I review and spread Uh, react to different movies i went to film school i'm a rotten tomatoes certified film critic and pretty much all i do is watch movies
0: and also joining me is madison fairchild hi i'm madison
1: um i am a streamer on twitch i play games and talk about movies while i'm playing games basically the entire time uh i'm very active on twitter where i just rant about movies Constantly. And that's pretty much all I do. I'm also a film student. Um, and I'm really excited to be here.
0: And once again, I am Raina Cervantes. I am a contributor for Fangoria and BloodyDisgusting.com. I also currently do editorial work for Netflix's to doom. Um, you can just basically find my writing all over the internet. I specialize in cult and horror films, so yeah, we we decided to put together this little podcast about cult films, underseen films, just movies you want to celebrate that typically don't get the recognition that they deserve. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, somebody please vocally agree with me. (laughs) Yeah,
2: no, I'm super excited to talk about movies that like, I don't know, I feel like I'm always recommending films to my friends and they're like, I've never heard of that. Like, what are you talking about? And there's just so many great movies that just get slept on. And I just want to like use this podcast to put them out into the world and like remind people that they exist because there's so much. There's so much good stuff and I just want everyone to watch it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and, th- and this podcast is kind of a long time coming for the three of us, I feel like. Um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Me and Steph have been trying to get a pod going for like over a year at this point. And me and Madison have have been trying to get a pod going for like a year at this point as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i kind of came up with the idea of like why don't we just put it together and thankfully both of these ladies agreed and here we are so what is the windsor film club like where did we get this name from you got you you both i know the answer to this but i'm asking for the audience members as well you both have seen scream 2 correct Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So like, you know, the scene where they're in film class and it's Jamie Kennedy, Timothy Oliphant and Sarah Michelle Gellar, like arguing about sequels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is the vibe we're going for. And the setting for Scream 2 is Windsor College. Hey. Hey, so it just kind of seemed like a no brainer because I feel like. I feel like Scream has been kind of the center point of like some of our friendships. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Like I feel like me and Steph bonded over the Scream movies and conversation once of like how good they are. And yeah. me and Madison actually went all the way to LA to go see Scream One and Two in the Hollywood Cemetery. That's awesome! It that
1: was like the best day ever. <laughs> it
0: it really was. It, it it was an experience. It was great seeing those movies on like a huge screen with like just nothing but fans. Like it was literally and Tori like spelling. yeah, and Tori spelling <laughs> randomly and free oh cocktails. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> the booze <Yes>. was free. <laughs>
2: Like, oh,
0: Tori Spelling was there. And I'm like, yeah, but the booze was free. That's part, (laughs) for sure. Um, But no, it was it, it really was like that thing where like the beginning of Scream 2, where like people are like in the theater for stab and like the crowd is just going nuts during the movie. It felt like that. And at that point, I knew like I wanted to do a pod that celebrated movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily like rip them down or like not like do an academia deep dive of them. Just something like, hey, I fucking love this movie it's not like a mainstream type movie. Here's why. And I think you two share my vision of that very well.
1: 100%. I'm one of those people that this can be a huge flaw of mine, but I can pretty much find something I love in every movie I watch. So I typically love every movie I see most of the time, which is not great. And it's not a good thing. But um, I just think there's a lot of beauty in movies that don't get talked about a ton. So when you you proposed this idea to me. I was so 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 excited to just be positive about movies because I love just being excited and celebrating them. So so excited to be here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like people have been people have become so critical of movies like to an extreme extent. Like there's always a problem with something. And I even on my YouTube channel, I used to like bash the shit out of movies. Like I would do a movie review and just make fun of a movie the whole time or make like top 10 worst movies of whatever year. And now I've like really moved away from that because it's just like, I don't want to put that negativity out into the world. There's no reason for it. Like it's just a movie. I just want to watch movies. I want to enjoy them. I want to have fun. And I I love watching like bad movies, you know, (laughs) like movies that are like technically bad, but you love them anyway, for some reason, like they're comforting or nostalgic or just like a good time and i'm excited that we're just going to be celebrating stuff like that
0: i feel like it's always easy to tear something down but you have to actually put forth effort to bring something up Mm -hmm. yeah like it's always like it's always a harder task to say here's why i love a movie rather than here's what i (laughs) here's what i fucking hated the movie
2: Especially when everyone's telling you that it sucks and you're like fighting for your life to defend it.
0: (laughs) You see that 35 on Ron and Tomatoes, and you're like, fuck, I think I might love that movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, that is why we are here. That is basically our origin story. So, we're going to kind of do something special for this introductory episode. We're going to kind of do a round robin thing where each of us brought one movie, like a movie that kind of represents the type of movies we want to champion or a movie we just want to give some exposure to and just briefly talk about it. But also there might be future episodes having to do with these movies. So, you know, it's never off the table. Yeah. So I think we'll just go round robin with it. Um, Let's go Steph first. What's the movie you brought today?
2: Yes. So this was like literally the hardest decision of my life. I spent like 24 hours trying to think of a movie, Um, but I decided to talk about the night is short walk on girl, which is a Japanese animated romantic comedy. I figured I would call myself out now. Episode one as a weeb, just so we all know where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this came out in 2017. It's directed by Masaka. No, I said that wrong. Directed by Masaki Yuasa. Pretty sure I'm saying that right. Um, He also did Lou over the wall and ride your wave, which is another amazing, incredible movie that I highly recommend. But this one, the night of short walk on girl, I picked it because it's probably the movie that I recommend people the most. Like since everyone in my life knows that I'm like a film critic and I watch a lot of movies, they always are asking me like, what movie should I watch? Like, do you have a recommendation that like, I maybe not have heard of. And I almost always go with this one because no one ever knows what it is. And it's so ridiculous and bizarre and beautiful and fun and like unlike any movie I've ever seen. It's definitely not underrated. Like, I think it's properly rated, but it's very underseen. And I have not heard anyone talk about it really it has like 30 rotten tomatoes reviews but it has like a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes but the movie basically it's sort of hard to explain because it's a very surreal kind of experience but it follows a night out of these two university students and the whole movie takes place over the course of one night, which is like a weird sub-genre that I love so much. So there's these two characters. Neither of them have names. It's like the girl with the black hair and Senpai. And so the Senpai plans to confess his romantic feelings for this girl throughout the night. But a bunch of weird circumstances keep happening and keep them separated for most of the movie. And it's basically just like this one long night of adventure and weird, wacky characters. And it's just this series of surreal encounters and this really adventurous animation and weird dialogue and some of the funniest, most bizarre dialogue I have ever heard. This movie is absolutely hilarious and just so weird in the best way. Uh, It's definitely an ambitious and like introspective film but it has a lot of fun and it encourages an open mind and sort of like a just go with it attitude. I think if you question it too much, it just doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) It's mostly about a girl who is just wandering through town and meeting a slew of interesting people. She meets a pervert who collects rare Japanese porn. She befriends a few bar patrons and they go bar hopping. They crash a few parties. She participates in a drinking contest with this like supernatural being. (laughs) I can't quite explain it. So much happens in this movie and you just have no idea where it's gonna go. There's also this like weird gorilla theater happening while everything else is happening. There's a musical number. It's just like bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers, but the animation is beautiful. I watch a lot of anime and a lot of animated films, but I think this is truly the most creative and beautiful animated film I've ever seen. It's so bright and colorful, and the style is so unique. It's very like simple. There aren't a lot of details, but the colors are very bright, kind of psychedelic. It feels a little bit 70s at times. So it's it's not really like your traditional anime, There's a letterbox review that I really, really love and I wanted to share it. It's from Matthew Lee. I feel like it just really captures the essence of this film. But he said, perhaps the only film to ever include a pub crawl, a 10 minute musical number, a natural disaster, an army of cowboys fighting a crowd of politicians, a slav squat, and still somehow be pretty coherent and unironically amazing.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's a ringing endorsement. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) so yeah again it's kind of hard to explain the plot but i hope that sort of explained what this movie is i don't know if either of you have seen it but it's one of my favorites and i think it's so so fun
0: yeah so i hadn't seen this movie still haven't for the record um we didn't really fill each other in on what movies we were picking (laughs) we were deciding until last minute but uh I, I wanted to ask um why why do you think it's underseen? Like why why do you think like more people haven't like recognized it or or it got out there a lot more?
2: I really don't know. I mean, it is weird. <laughs> so that could be like off-putting to some people. The only reason I found it is because I follow a YouTuber. Her name is Cinemonica. She's awesome. And she does a lot of movie reviews and anime reviews and lists and like movie recommendations. So she's the one who recommended it to me. Not really sure how she found it. I think I mean, the director is not super well known. He hasn't done that many other movies other than Ride Your Wave, the one I mentioned before, which is another one of his really popular ones. I'm assuming it's maybe more popular in Japan because it's a Japanese film and maybe it just hasn't reached this audience as much. But I mean, it's probably just because it's
0: very weird. <laughs> you know what? Godzilla is a weird Japanese film, and I love that. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's Listen, true. I,
0: I always feel like there's like a cultural divide with international films and American audiences to the point that a lot of stuff just kind of flies under the radar or goes unnoticed, like as unfortunate as it sounds.
2: Yeah. And I mean, anime is so popular I I guess that that isn't really a barrier because it's anime and you would think anime fans would like it, but it's so unlike any other anime and it doesn't really follow the same tropes as like traditional mainstream anime. So to like an average anime watcher, they might not even be interested in it because it just looks kind of weird. And the artistic style is very unique. So. Even that alone could throw people off. To me, I think it's
0: beautiful and so stunning. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, what's the title of that one again? So our listeners can go seek that one out. That is The Night is Short, Walk-On
2: Girl. It's also a book. Fun fact. I haven't read it, but I've heard it's very good. I wonder
0: if the book just jumps around a whole bunch, too. I don't know though. I have it. It's back there somewhere. I'm gonna read it eventually. <laughs> no, we want you to read it right now in front of us, starting from chapter one. <laughs> should,
2: should I go get it? Should we? It's, should we do this? This is right an now?
0: audiobook <laughs> podcast. No, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> no what, well, I'll have to check that out. We might do an episode on it in the future. Who's to say? But yeah, um, definitely, definitely sounds interesting. Um, Madison, what uh, what movie did you bring today? For the class. Yeah. No, For the class.
1: <laughs> um, I chose Lars and the Real Girl, directed by Craig Gillespie. Um, I believe that's how you say that. I'm terrible with all names. I'm so sorry. I always
0: say Gillespie. Gillespie? I don't know how to say Gillespie it. Gillespie.
1: Gillespie's Gillespie is probably Gillespie. correct. I the guy thought who that, did
0: cruella, correct?
1: Yeah. I thought that Kevin Feige <laughs> No. Yeah, I thought that Kevin Feige was Kevin Feige for like a decade, so I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. I chose Lars and the Real Girl, directed by Craig... I struggle. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Craig G. Craig G. Craig G. Directed by Craig Gillespie, um, starring Ryan Gosling, Emily Mortimer, and Paul Schneider. The movie came out in 2007, so quite a while ago, and... I actually looked up today how much it made in the box office and like the box office rankings for 2007, just because I was interested. And out of the 200 movies on the IMDb list, this was ranked at one hundred and ninety six. So very, very low. Um, It made eleven million dollars and it is a gem. I love this movie with my whole entire heart I saw it for the first time at 10 years old and um I watched it probably once a week for that entire year
0: um pause you saw a movie about a man sharing an intimate relationship with a sex doll <laughs> yeah, at 10 when I was 10 and then proceeded to watch it over and over for a week I
1: watched it Once a week, my parents bought me the DVD. Uh, Wow. I loved this movie um, (laughs) so much. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the story is about Lars, who's Ryan Gosling. Um, He suffers from depression and he isolates himself. And he decides to order this anatomically correct sex doll. And um, he has a delusion that she's a real girl who is staying with him that he met on the internet and that he is in love with. He lives on the same property as his brother and his stepsister. They're clearly very concerned for him because she's not a real person. Um, But, His psychiatrist suggests that they go along with the delusion because it is only there for his psychological needs. And as soon as he gets through what he's struggling through, he won't have a need for it anymore. So the entire town, they live in a very small town, the entire town gets in on it and they invite the doll Bianca out. She has a job. They dress her. She goes to church. Um, she reads to school children. Um, it's just very, very sweet. And I think it's super underrated. And the reason that I picked it is because it deals with grief and loss, extreme anxiety, fear of abandonment, uh, coming of age and failure to launch. Cause like the whole time he's really struggling with like, what is it to be a man? And how will I know, even though he's an adult, like, how will I know when I'm grown up? Um, just because he really hasn't had any social interactions, um, as an adult, uh, it deals with avoidant attachment and his delusions and depression, but it also, it in a really lighthearted way while still feeling really respectful to the struggles of mental health which i think is really important like it feels funny because it is a funny scenario he has a sex doll that's kind of funny but like it also doesn't feel like it's mocking the situation which i think is really important um and it deals with how that affects a family what unconditional love can look like just all of these things that i think are super big topics and really hard topics to do without being cheesy and without being disrespectful and i think it just does them perfectly i think that ryan gosling's performance i i think it's one of his best performances in my opinion he does such a wonderful job there's a scene where lars has a panic attack and as someone personally, that has an anxiety disorder, I feel like panic attacks are always really done poorly in movies. Um, They're always either way overdone or way understated. And the scene just feels so real to me. He did such a beautiful job, just, um, I don't know, the whole moment. And I don't want to spoil anything from the movie, um, from how it ends or anything, but the whole moment just feels incredibly tangible. And the whole movie, because it was so low budget, um, and so it's just like set in this small town, in the winter it just feels very like accessible like i feel like it's easy to step into the movie and feel like a part of it which i really really love and i don't know why no one talks about it because like the film community at least the one i'm a part of adores Ryan Gosling he's so popular like and he continues to be more popular and i never hear anyone discuss his work in this movie. Um, I felt like all the supporting cast did such a good job. I, again, I used to rewatch it all the time as a kid and I didn't grasp the concepts that the movie was dealing with fully because I was 10, Um, but... I rewatched it last night and I was worried, like, what if I don't like the movie as much as an adult? Maybe that's why it's not popular is because like, it's not good. (laughs) I was really scared. Uh, And I watched it last night and it honestly, the movie just feels like a, a warm hug, like not even because of nostalgia or anything. Just I think that they did the best possible job they could do with such a weird subject matter because it is really odd. Like the whole thing is just strange, but it just shows that like his whole story is this longing for an attachment, which he finds in Bianca the doll. While the entire world around him, his whole family, his whole town, the people at his work are longing for an attachment to him, but he doesn't see it. He like, can't connect to that. And like through this doll that he never has sex with by the way they don't even sleep in the same room because they don't believe in sex before marriage but like through this interaction with this doll he is so much more sociable whenever he's around her he has some tics like blinking uh Tourette's tics and they go away when he's with her and He introduces her and he goes to parties and he's social, which is stuff he would never, ever, ever do by himself. He wouldn't even go to his brother's house for dinner before this doll arrived. Like, it's just really cool seeing like healing and acceptance and love. And it's just not my type of movie because I usually like sad movies or like horror movies. But it's such a heartwarming, but not cheesy film. I just love it that's
0: all i have to say <laughs> dang yeah um i feel like that one's like prime for people to go back and revisit especially with the success that craig jillipsy has been experiencing lately um for listeners that don't know he eventually went on to go do i Tanya and cruella and is currently the showrunner of pam and tommy on hulu right now <laughs> um so he he, he kind of has this like reputation for like Like punk rock, like quirky type movies, I feel like. Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl is fantastic. I think that was a fantastic choice, Madison. And we will definitely be covering that on this show, I feel like.
2: Yeah, I also love that movie. I adore this movie. I I watched it for the first time in college because me and my roommates, we went through this like Ryan Gosling phase and we rented (laughs) Every single Ryan Gosling movie on Netflix. This was when Netflix movies came to you in a mm-hmm. DVD in your mailbox. <laughs> so we just got a new one every single week. And I remember I loved that one. It was so good. And you're right. Nobody talks about that movie ever. It's so weird. <laughs> so I think it's one of Ryan Gosling's best performances. I agree. And it's just, yeah, it's I think incredible. it's his
1: best work. And it also, it just seems like a, film twitter movie you know what i mean like they love yeah. those little indie films what are you talking yeah. about no one talks like, about lars and the real
0: girl like, <laughs> like arms yeah. crossed like they love movies like that they but not do. this they
2: one they're do. they all like oh my god
0: have you seen drive what about drive ryan gosling is so oh, good in drive no, please please don't be drive oh, in my no, presence no, no.
1: I love Ryan Gosling, I love Drive, but I feel like this is the type of low-budget indie movie that people love, and yet, who's talking about it? No one. I remember being a child and being like, why is this movie not famous? Like, I shouldn't have Madison, seen it as a Madison
0: child. had her Twitter out when she was a kid on the film Twitter going like, listen, y'all. This is the move.
1: It is. It is. I don't know why my parents bought it for me, but go off. I love it. I'm so glad they did. Did
0: Did I ever tell you guys that Ryan Gosling story where like I was in a bar in L.A. and we like randomly saw him there. Oh my god! And I got like I got like super drunk because we were like. <laughs> It was like a restaurant bar. He was in the restaurant section, like off to the side by himself. But we were in the bar and I was getting drunk. And I, God, I want to say this was like 2012 or something, 2013. It was somewhere around then. But I got drunk and I slammed on the table and I was like, give me a Blade Runner sequel with Ryan Gosling. Oh my, god. The, oh my god and then it ended shut up happening up. And, up. I sw- and i swear to god i don't want to say like i implanted that thought like he overheard <laughs> <You> me <incepted. laughs> you did but I, You but you i accepted <laughs> him and, do that Blade <laughs> Runner sequel my boy oh, oh my god, god. that's oh amazing oh my god you're so influential <laughs> listen the influence spreads wide no i'm kidding he probably didn't care he was probably all like my god shut up you're drunk <laughs> But definitely, definitely one of his more underrated films. I would say. I would say that and Drive. No,
2: oh my god! Get out!
0: Listen, you can't deny the white scorpion jacket. You can't deny it. You're right. You're right. You're right. You you, you know, you you see that on in public, you're like, that's film Twitter right there. (laughs) <laughs> That's somebody on film Twitter. <laughs> I I I want to get somebody as a guest that has that jacket. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but definitely fantastic movie. You you both articulated your your movies very well. That I'm in like interested to like watch and rewatch them.
2: Yeah, I want to rewatch Lars and the Real Girl now. Oh, I actually wanted to say because you brought up the anxiety attack scene and how amazing it was, and that reminded me that. There's also a panic attack scene in the the night is short walk on girl that's also incredibly well done. Yes. <laughs> it's like completely different, like obviously very different style, but because it's animation and they can be so creative in the way that they portray things in that movie, it's it's just like this really interesting visual demonstration of what it's like to be inside of someone's head while they're having a panic attack it's kind of hard to explain but there's just like a hundred different versions of himself walking around this building that's like supposed to be his brain and it's just like it's a it's art it is amazing and that just reminded me of that i need to watch
1: that i love anime that's awesome
0: (laughs) yeah it's so 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 good hell yeah hell yeah Well, I think that about wraps up our show. No, I'm kidding. Like, y'all didn't think I wasn't going to bring a movie today, did you? Um, So the movie I brought today is, I feel very, very underseen, given what everybody is into at the moment. Um, I brought 2018's Assassination Nation, Written and directed by Sam Lemonson, a.k.a. Mr. Euphoria himself. Um, Yes. Yeah, so this movie stars... Hold on, let me bring it up. It stars Odessa Young, Suki Waterhouse, Hari Neff, and Abra. The film takes place in the fictional town of Salem, which devolves into chaos and violence after a computer hacker discovers and leaks personal secrets about many of its residents. Okay, this movie is fucking wild like this movie opens up with like a ton of trigger warnings like I'm just gonna list like all the trigger warnings this movie pops off with. And this is like a real scene in the movie. It lists off uh, bullying, blood, abuse, classism, death, drinking, drug use, sexual content, toxic masculinity, the male gaze, homophobia, transphobia, guns, nationalism, racism, kidnapping, murder, attempted murder, swearing, torture, violence, gore, weapons, and frail, magical egos. It almost sounds like a trigger warning list for euphoria if you really think about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This this is like the movie equivalent of like this medication may cause seizures and headaches and migraines and death
0: (laughs) kind of kind of and i feel like this movie is very smart in the way it tackles like social media and how it can be weaponized in like today's like society because you always hear all the time about like oh this person got doxxed on social media or like this person got exposed and whatnot like It brings those very real fears to like the forefront of a very like complex. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say complex. The movie isn't trying to be anything that it's not like. It's trying to be like as loud as possible. It's trying to be like in your face and like just over the top. Like it almost it almost makes euphoria look held back. Damn. (laughs) Which is fucking wild to say. Yeah it's like insert bitch you better be joking <laughs> but it but it really doesn't and i feel like it's underseen in the way that like everybody it's like well everybody on my twitter feed has been like l- watching and loving euphoria like week to week so much to the point that i'm like i don't even have to watch the episode because twitter will fill me in everybody will tweet everything about it oh my god um, yeah you could follow the entire season just on twitter <laughs> right Right. And I feel like both of the movies have trans leads and and pretty good trans representation, I would say. So they're very similar in that they're both set in high school and they both have a unique like style to them. Like whether you're into that style or not, like there's like lots of neon colors. There's like it doesn't hold anything back. And in fact, you see a lot of like crossover with Euphoria cast here that's like side characters i won't dive in into that too much but i figure with like with something like as big as that tv series is right now it it would be like you'd go back and reassess it but it seems to be a movie that like not many people like they know about it but they don't even know it's like sam lemonson
2: yeah i didn't even know that
0: before we started this yeah and now i'm like, like
2: i have to see this <laughs> I, I had heard- <laughs>
0: You're like this. Just jumped to the top of my watch list.
2: (laughs) I am like in such a deep like euphoria is all that is in my brain at all times. Like it's a it's a problem actually.
0: Would you say you're in a euphoric state? (laughs) Oh my god! No, No, but it it really is like a fantastic movie, and it was made by Neon. Oh, Neon for those that don't know, kind of is like. On the rise of like the A24 stick of like they, they did yeah. Parasite, they did yeah. Pig, Possessor, like they have an angle like you see a movie now and you're like, oh, Neon. That's them. That's them. Just like how you look at a movie and you're like, that's A24 for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I love neon. I feel like every time I see a trailer that's like neon is at the beginning, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this
0: movie. Yeah, <laughs> you, you see that logo and you're like, oh, fuck, shit's about to pop off. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And it's and it's interesting because the movie failed kind of miserably at the box office. It was projected to gross around four million. It's opening weekend from about fourteen hundred theaters but only ended up grossing about $1 million of that and finished 15th place at the box office. Neon's chief, then uh, Tom Quinn, acknowledged the film's unsatisfactory box office performance by saying, Sam Levinson has created a bold, visionary, and ultimately cathartic response to the dumpster fire that is 2018 side note little did he know what was to come (laughs) Uh, my god (laughs) he he then goes on to say we're admittedly disappointed more people didn't come out this weekend but those who did were loud and overwhelmingly positive it's going to take more time for assassination nation to find its audience then box office analyst jeff brock uh, compared the film to heather saying there's people out there who like these heather types films but they tend to be more popular on home entertainment platforms then they're likely to be cult favorites rather than big box office hits. And that's where I kind of feel like that that hasn't really taken off yet for Assassination Nation. I'm like waiting for the day that they just decide to do a re-release and they're like, oh, from the creator of Euphoria. And then that (laughs) I'm sure that'll like perk up like a ton of ears.
1: I feel like it'll have... Like, you know how Jennifer's body took so long to pop off? Um, I feel like movies, horror movies that are aimed for female audiences sometimes take a while to like get their footing, especially ones that were made older. But even though Assassination Nation is a newer film, I feel like maybe in five to 10 years, even it could have like a resurgence. But they do need to definitely re-release it with Euphoria promotion because it's going crazy right now. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: And that's so true like with Jennifer's body it was like marketed to the male gaze like mm-hmm. it was totally they were like oh dudes are going to love this they want to see Jennifer or what the fuck Megan Fox <laughs> I'm losing my mind <laughs> They want to see Megan Fox be sexy and making out with Amanda Seyfried and then now it's like no this is this is for the girls yeah. this movie's for the girls
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yeah definitely and like like I said, there is crossover with, like, the Euphoria and Assassination cast. You got Maude Apatow and <gasps> Coleman Domingo in it. Like, mm. and they're, like, two of the best characters on the show. My fave. Uh, and, uh, of course, you got the main cast. Like, Suki Waterhouse is pretty popular. You Ew. got uh, Bella Thorne's in it. Bill Skarsgård is in it, of all the My them. husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like... Absolutely
2: going to watch this movie after we're done.
1: Yeah, I definitely recommend it too. It's it's fun.
2: I love any movie that's like a gang of badass bitches. Me
1: too. (laughs) I love movies for the girls. I'm so weak. Yes.
2: No. Same. And yeah, I had no idea with Sam Levinson. So yeah, yeah. I have to watch it now. (laughs) It would be a crime not to.
0: Okay. So I'm sure everybody's seen that like iconic image of all of them in like the red like. Pleather jackets where they're all like holding the guns. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the heavy use of firearms in this movie made it semi hard to market. Like, oh yeah, because if I remember this movie, like one of the first trailers is like it opens up with all those trigger warnings, and when they do those trigger warnings, they're not like like I think the whole trailer is the trigger warnings, and they show glimpses of those. So if it's like oh racism, it shows like a like a scene of somebody being racist to somebody, or like firearms, it shows somebody like loading a gun, or like attempted murder, it shows like attempted murder. Oh, and they're all clips from the movie. And they have like colored in like red, white, and blue. And I think the trailer is like the national anthem. That's like a really weird way to market a movie. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like they try to do the shock value thing for like marketing rather than trying to appeal to like the younger demographic, like euphoria. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I think personally that's why the movie went like very underseen and you know. I feel like at this point, you're either a fan of Sam Sam Levinson or you're not. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I feel like I saw a lot of marketing for this. So like it wasn't like it was it wasn't out there like people could find it. But I think their marketing was just really bad because I even remember I was like, that looks kind of good. But I wasn't sure about it. And so I didn't see it. But like now after hearing you talk about it, I'm like, I absolutely have to watch this movie right now.
0: I saw it at AMC opening weekend because I worked there at the time and oh, nobody was in there. (laughs) (laughs) It was like me by myself. That's wild. My partner at the time, like didn't even want to see it. And I walked out going like, holy shit. (laughs) It's really fantastic. Super accessible. I believe it's on multiple streaming services. It's just I yeah with the popularity of euphoria i'm like very surprised like it hasn't like made like a comeback or like kind of a reassessment i don't know i don't know i don't know Maybe it will maybe it will maybe it will maybe i'll have to stand on the soapbox and go like watch this movie (laughs) you all are watching euphoria watch it
1: did sam write it as well or did he just direct it
0: no he wrote and directed it Okay.
1: Awesome.
0: So, I'm, like Euphoria. Exactly like Euphoria. I think he. Awesome. I think all of his projects he writes and directs. That's um, really that's really cool. Yeah. And this movie, yeah, this movie's wild. Like, I need more people to see it so I can talk about the ending with more people. Because.
2: I. Okay, I have decided in this moment, I'm going to do a video, a reaction video, on my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, I'm doing a weekly reaction to Euphoria, uh-huh. but I wanted to post something in between because I don't want to just like spam my feed with nothing but eight Euphoria videos in a row. So I was like, I need to do something in between. So maybe I'll do this because it still kind of aligns with Euphoria, and it'll get the Euphoria audience, and then we can we can get people to watch this movie.
0: You it know? just it, it gets re released as <laughs> Euphoria the movie. <laughs> A yeah. 824 <laughs> buys the rights and just pops it out again <laughs> oh my god oh my the kids would lose their minds it's not <laughs> subtle at all it is not a subtle movie the town they live in is salem
2: yeah you said you said it was the fictitious town of salem
0: is that it's what you just, said yeah it's just called salem they never say whether it's salem massachusetts or anything so weird yeah yeah i mean you look at the world of like that and you look at the world of euphoria and you're like there's no way these are set in the real world like (laughs) absolutely not um this, this, like, full disclosure, this will be a movie we will be covering at some point. Um, because I mean, obviously, uh, for lack of better words, this is probably the movie that got me into the writing scene. I had wrote, written a piece for it for Screen Queens that eventually got featured on Fangoria Plus and it had a lot of eyes on it from that. So, damn, I, I kind of owe a lot to this movie in a certain way. So, Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Assassination Nation, for uh, (laughs) kind of kickstarting my writing brain and then helping me where I ended up. So I think going forward, unless explicitly stated, we will be having guests on every week.
2: Yay. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, you guys you guys seem into that idea.
2: Yeah, it'll be fun to talk to some new people and learn about some new movies, maybe.
0: Yeah, definitely, because I think we're going to do the angle. We're going to have the guests pick the movies. So, you know, I love it. Who knows what will pop up? It'll be interesting. <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for <laughs> somebody to pick the most off the wall shit that I like start Second guessing why I'm doing this. Yeah. Like I, yeah. like I, I, hope it reaches that. I know. I want somebody to pick something so off the wall that I look at it and I go like, "Man, what a piece of shit this is!" I want somebody to defend this in front of me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm worried that we're gonna get like some amazing guest that like I admire, and then they're gonna pick a movie that's fucking horrible, like a and I'm gonna have to. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to be like. Cool. I'm glad you enjoyed that movie. It oh. was. Uh, <laughs> I mean,
0: I went on the KingCast and I took Carrie the musical. <laughs> Which is like one of the most like dog shit things I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) I mean, full disclosure, I almost chose Van Helsing today. So because I will defend that movie with my life kicking and screaming.
0: (laughs) I I have a feeling that movie is going to end up popping up at some point. I didn't. I'm going to gatekeep it. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm gatekeeping this massive Universal Studios film. No,
1: because I've been... Uh, nope I've defended it for too long I get to gatekeep one movie and it's Ben Hels.
0: <laughs> so gatekeep how like you don't want to cover it or you don't want to no how I I guess I'm totally joking it? I'm so joking I want everyone to love that movie I don't no i <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm like, I'm just waiting for the movie that somebody picks where it like not not like everybody hates it or where like it splits it like two of us love it and the other two hate it.
1: That'll really be a Windsor <laughs> Film Club for sure. Like, oh, oh. Yes,
2: I
0: want
1: to have
2: a fight.
0: I yeah, want it'll be like Jamie Kennedy arguing with Sarah Michelle Gellar. It's, like, <laughs> it's like you both are right. You both are wrong. <laughs> Let's see. Socials. Round Robin. Why not? Um, Steph, where can everyone find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Steph Koza um, or on YouTube at Steph Coza versus the movies.
0: Madison, where can everyone find you? Um, you
1: can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E underscore Amadala like Padme Amidala from Star
0: Wars. And you can find me at JFC Doomblade on all social channels. You can also find work from me being published at sites all over the web. You can also find our social for the pod at Windsor Film Club. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We will see you next week. Bye. No, leave it in. (laughs) Demand it. (laughs) Sorry, that was so awkward. (laughs)